Welcome to the Apologia Podcast, the audio-only archive of the Apologia YouTube channel. Note that some content was designed to go with visuals, but the imagination can be a powerful thing. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a 5-star rating on the podcast app you're using now to help us reach more people. Or, since this endeavor is ad-free, consider going a step further and supporting us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash apologia. But for now, let's get to the episode. Part of the Ham and Egg News series, posted September 5th, 2017, titled, Apologia Crashes the Answers News Studio. All the way from Answers and Genesis, the Creation Museum in Petersburg, Kentucky, the famous, the one and only. Welcome to Apologia and another edition of Hamming News, this time live. Yep. Hi, and welcome to Answers News for August 28th, 2017. August 28th, 2017. It happened. I saw Answers News live. We always need to talk about a couple of things for a couple of minutes here as uh, people come online. Okay, show a couple of pictures to start with. Uh, there's the Creation Museum. Isn't that a nice picture of the Creation Museum? We're here at the Creation Museum. I was also at the Creation Museum. Here's my picture. See the dinosaur? And my picture of the dinosaur. Oh, that's one of my grandchildren. I don't have any grandchildren, but if Ken's just wasting time, let's back up a bit. We arrived at the Creation Museum in the morning so that we could take in the exhibit before the main event, Answers News, at 2 o'clock. I'll be doing a separate video, or maybe a series of videos, about the museum itself. This place gives me the creeps. Though it's been covered so many times, I've kind of felt like I had no use for the map. Still. Something familiar about this place. The price for my obsession. I don't know. I feel like... Be like what? Like we're being watched. So it seems my taking photos of every sign and documenting like an archaeologist on this low attendance day drew unwanted attention from the staff. But more on that later. Nothing was going to stop my mission to Legacy Hall, the 900-seat venue for the infamous Ken Ham Bill Nye debate. Unsurprisingly, before any of Ken's events, the crowd must first wait and ideally spend money in one of the museum's gift shops. The doors opened at 1.45 and Ken, Bodie, and Georgia were already seated on the stage, shuffling papers and scrambling to insert a last-minute slide into their presentation. Around 50 of us found seats in the oversized auditorium as Ken attempted to do some crowd work and warm the room. You can follow it on your smartphone if it goes live to my Facebook. And uh, if you're following it here, just make sure your volume your volume's turned down. Uh, 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 oh, that was the I was just waiting for the slide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's raining out there. It was, and I could, yeah. I went out about And you guys were at the museum, not the art. <laughs> people were like, yeah, we, did, we went to the art and it didn't rain and they're all frustrated. And it's the one place people want to go to when it's raining. Yeah. Does anyone here watch the OX's news program? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it was, what, a week ago? Not bad. They taken the grip before their kids through the car wash, and the little three-year-old decides to put the window down. That was the second time Ken acknowledged me. Sadly, I missed recording the first one when he asked if anyone was from another country, and I shouted back, Canada. Ken apologized for the rapid swings in Canadian law, something I've covered in a previous episode, and he suggested that they might not let me back into Canada if I showed the border guards my Creation Museum ticket. I quickly agreed. So what we'll do here in a moment, Angelo is one of our guest services representatives and he lives for this moment but he is going to give you the announcement of where the exit doors are and he, he practices this he wants to get it right poor angelo ken subtle maybe joking maybe not put downs of everyone on his staff were flying in all directions not just when he was on camera well, mary will give us the countdown it's a really hard countdown for mary to do you've got to count from three down to one she practices that every day 
You can clap. You can laugh. Even if it's not funny, just laugh. Okay, okay. But of course, everyone laughs at their boss's jokes. Oh, Angelo. That was easily the best joke of the day. Not a single person in the room laughed or even understood it. Except me. Mr. Ken, Dr. George Perkin, what do you Wait, what is it? One fifty-five. I just left a couple. Yeah, like two, two minutes. Yeah. He's being really interesting today. Even I was not late coming down here, right? And both of them are texting me. You need to get down here. People are, are rioting. Da 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 da. <laughs> I'm on time, people. Leave me alone. So that's how it goes here. Right? We like to kid each other a lot. That's right. What was that? Oh, you complained about that. See, that's the other problem. Just remember, almost late is still on time. That's right. Late. Put the next slide on so you see what's coming up next, if I remember. If he doesn't, I'm back up. <laughs> I'm back up, back up. <laughs> You're really going to have to read. Let me get that to the slide for you. So we're going to start in one minute here. Uh, feel free to put in comments. Are you ready, Mary? Are you ready, Jeremy? Tell okay. us when you're ready. All right. Three, two, one. Hi, and welcome to Answers News for August 28th, 2017. We're almost done with August. So almost time for September. Uh, and now we're back where we started. But what you really want to know is, did I meet Ken or not? Well, you're going to have to wait. We had to sit through the show to find out, so so do you. Someone sent now me a you photograph could skip they saw ahead. a poster Don't skip uh, ahead. at a church in Wyoming. The Bible is like GPS, a brilliant guide, all-knowing, occasionally wrong. Well, if it's occasionally wrong, why, how do you know where it's wrong and why believe any of it? I mean, yeah. kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. yeah. And so we start off with me completely agreeing with Georgia. If the Bible is occasionally wrong, why believe any of it? I completely agree. Good start. So basically, this person's idea, they're an atheist, and they say, well, the Bible has a lot of inconsistencies and immoral tales. Now isn't the time where I'll take a stand on biblical inconsistencies or immoral tales, even though that's the reason Bodhi included this story. He wants to use it to push his Bible inconsistencies books. And no one interpretation is correct. You can just interpret it however you want. Well, it is entirely possible that there's a single correct interpretation of the Bible, and Ken Ham makes a living by telling Christians that Answers in Genesis is the only publisher that has such an interpretation. You cannot deny that the Bible is a very pliable book that is extraordinarily subject to interpretation. At any time, you can find earnest Bible believers with scholarly contention that the Bible says to show love to homosexuals, and others contend that the Bible says to shun or murder homosexuals. Was the universe created in six 24-hour days or billions of years? Is slavery okay or not okay? Will Jesus return before or after the tribulation? Should the poor be cared for or ignored? Should humans care for the earth? Or should we just wait for Jesus to come back to restore it? Regardless of your position, the Bible can be interpreted to support either of these positions. And they say because the Bible, um, the Christianity is exclusive. It's not inclusive because it says there's only one way of salvation. When I was still a Christian, I found this exclusionary policy to be completely consistent with the claims being true. I mean, only the true path to salvation would be so bold as to say it was the only way. Any path claiming to be merely one of many had to be false, right? At least that made sense to me at the time. This is an objection that is unlikely to influence any believer. The exclusivity is part of the proof. The atheists are becoming very aggressive these days. Like showing up in your audience? Do you realize we actually have two books? Uh, uh, Demolishing Supposed Bible Contradictions Volume 1 and Volume 2. Book plug on the first story. Good job, Bodie. I think I remember seeing those in the gift shop right outside. Yeah. When you step back and think about yeah. it, the Bible is consistent. Coincidentally, I bought this mug in one of the two massive gift shops. I shouldn't have given them more money, but it was just after I met the team and was feeling impulsive. Spoilers. I noticed the trolls are out already. Uh, right. Nothing new. Welcome. It wasn't me, but this made me nervous. 
the friend I dragged along with me for the day had been observing that security was starting to notice us and specifically follow us around. I've seen this in quite a few different places. It's popped up. It was all over the news this past week. A uh, 3,700-year-old Babylonian tablet rewrites the history of mass. Well, Bodhi, perhaps you should have tried to see it in a few more places, like this one. They found this thing almost 100 years ago uh, in southern Iraq, but nobody had deciphered it. They didn't know what it was. And it uh, turns out uh, this tablet, which is also called Plimpton 332, uh, what it is is a trigonometric table. Scholars have known for over 70 years that the tablet contains a trigonometric table. This is extremely accurate, and it was done. They, they argue that it was before the time of the Greeks, which was our years. previous mm -hmm. uh, earliest time of some trigonometric tables. I'm curious as to what dating methods were used to determine this, Bodhi and how they differ from dating methods that you reject when you don't like the results. Well, they said this is actually a simpler and more accurate way of doing trigonometry. So mm -hmm. it sounds like we, we may need to, they say they may need to adjust so, some so things. Right. It's hard to know where to start with this part of their claims, an exasperated Scientific American reports. The tablet contains some well-known errors. So claims it is the most accurate or exact trig table ever are just not true. Trigonometric tables commonly provide values for sine, cosine, and tangent combinations. Modern versions of such tables while relatively modern since calculators and computers have made them virtually obsolete, rise in increments as small as a single degree and thereby include approximations of irrational numbers. Rather than angle measurements, the tablet used triangle side length values at irregular intervals such that only values that can be represented as rational numbers are included. So the numbers that are included are precise, but there are fewer included so it's less complete. By the way, somebody here said to pray for Texas, and we certainly do need to pray yes. for Texas. If you recall a few episodes back, Ken and the crew used the events in Charlottesville to awkwardly and unhelpfully deny that racial divide even exists. Like the science of melanin levels somehow erases socioeconomics in history. And worse yet, used the event to try to sell his one race book. So I'm nervous about what he might say here. And you know, when you see the devastation just caused by a local flood, can you imagine what a global flood would have done? Oh, I know. Yeah. Okay, connection to Noah's flood is to be expected. I'll give him a pass on that one. We've got to remember something. All of us, everyone in this room, our audience. Why is he talking about the audience so much today? Am I just paranoid? What did I do? Everyone at the museum, everyone in the world, we're the cause of what happened in yeah. Texas. Okay, everyone in the world. That includes you too. Whew. That's why we collectively want to help. Part of the problem here is that all the headlines in the first few days about the Christian response to the disaster were about church buildings that didn't open their doors to victims. Pastor Joel Osteen eventually opened up his Houston megachurch, but only after being publicly shamed into doing so. I will give Ken credit here. The day after this Answers News episode, he took to Facebook Live for 20 minutes to encourage his followers to donate to the Children's Hunger Fund. This organization has a top dollar efficiency rating from Charity Navigator, so that seems on the up and up. I'm leery about what strings might be attached given that it's a Christian group and wish that the money was going straight to the fund rather than through Answers in Genesis first. But I give Ken and his crew credit for this. It's so much better than just preaching sin and selling books. Yeah. You know, it's from a Christian viewpoint, those types of well, things. Well, they'll say they care, but then why they care is actually based, they're borrowing from God's That's word right. to very say Christian it's important to, to care yeah. for people, right? <laughs> Anytime a secular philosophy agrees with Christianity on any point, the Answers in Genesis team will assert that it is borrowing from Christianity. Are we honestly to believe that no humans cared for each other before Jesus arrived 2,000 years ago? Altruism is a survival trait in social species that developed millions of years before the first hominid, let alone the first Christian. This borrowing a worldview mantra is chanted like a soothing placation to keep from the realization that while a deity may exist, one is not required to explain anything. Because we now do it live in the museum, and we have a studio. Let, let's hear the yeah, studio. Let's hear the studio. Hear the studio. Oh. Yeah, there they are. There we are. See? Did you hear that single boo at the end there? That was me. I didn't really mean to boo, but I was just curious as to whether I'd be able to be heard in the broadcast recording. And in the moment, I couldn't think of anything to shout. 
I probably should have went with amen or something. People need to send more emojis, okay? They, they need to be sitting there on their smartphone sending emojis. The more emojis we get, the more it gets out. <laughs> I loved watching this little moment happen. Georgia is very much a mother figure to Ken and Bodie's juvenile antics. This little stop it gesture was priceless. This next one comes from New Scientist. Culture, not biology, is behind many differences between the sexes. So there's no male or female? Yes, that's what they're trying to say. No, that's not what it's trying to say. The article, and the paper it's reporting on, says that differences in behavioral traits between men and women are better explained by environmental factors than biological ones. They even say biologically they think there could be more variability <laughs> than just male or female, but we've masked that because of the cultural and social influences. What they're saying is it's done it to the extent where we're not seeing the gender spectrum that could be there. The paper isn't talking about a new spectrum of genders. It's about the genders exhibiting a potential wider spectrum of traits. Georgia is allowing the audience here to fill in their own blanks. And they were. The people around us were gasping and shaking their heads and letting out audible tisk tisks. There's actually very little to this paper beyond weighing in on the ageless debate between nature versus nurture, heredity versus environment, with no real conclusion. Somebody comes up with this paper saying, oh, biologically, there's really no male or female. Well, they want, a sci they want scientific evidence to support what they're doing. Just like they want scientific evidence for a gay gene and things like yes. that. Just like they want scientific evidence for a flood. Just like they want scientific evidence for a young earth. Don't they know we have a book? Hey, there's some people in the audience who sent some uh, uh, hellos here. All right. So. Stop talking about the audience. It wasn't me. The Economic Times. Dino killing asteroid darken Earth for two years. I, I don't understand this. I, I, what I don't understand is... Oh, thank you. I forgot to turn on the, the next slide. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, okay. Georgia predicted this would happen before the show. She's a prophet. Women can be prophets. Prophetess. They're happy to have a global catastrophe if it's not in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, you can't have yeah, it. Yeah, you don't it's want in the Bible, it didn't now. happen. But they want a global catastrophe that wiped out the dinosaurs, but everything else was okay sort of thing, or most things... Secularists are happy when claims are supported by evidence. Being in the Bible or not is completely irrelevant. Everything, everything else seemed to survive just fine. Here's the article you have on your screen, Ken. More than three-quarters of the species on Earth disappeared. Does that sound like everything else was okay? They said it was dark for two years. What happened to all the plants? Sixty percent of plant species went extinct as well. We get criticized for that because, you know, according to the Bible, God created the plants on day three, didn't create the sun, moon, and stars until the fourth day. And they criticize to say, well, how can these plants survive, you know, for a whole half a day? That's a pretty valid criticism of the AIG interpretation of Genesis 1. So they kind of say if the animals were able to dig underground or be in the water, they were okay. That's more because of the ability to escape the initial blast of heat, similar to the initial blast of an atomic bomb. It's estimated that it would have been safe for such creatures to return to the surface after a few days. No thinking, what did they eat? <laughs> Species with a diet of insects or water-based organisms fared best. And they're, it, yeah, they're, you know, they're saying that this would have triggered massive climate change. And they're worried about today. Yeah, tenths of a degree. Yeah. We should be worried. Three quarters of the species on Earth died in that last massive climate change. It wasn't the biggest or the smartest who lived. What makes humans think that we'd be one of the species that will survive the next extinction event? Regardless of severity, why would we want to hasten it? Someone said howdy. I wonder what state they're from when they say howdy. We well, can say howdy here in Kentucky. I mean, we're Southerners. You know, I will say one thing for the Creation Museum staff. They were friendly, but not too friendly. Folksy, but not too folksy. Each with that Kentucky drawl you'd expect. However, we noticed that none of the voiceovers in the exhibits or videos used the Kentucky accent, generally favoring something sounding French or British. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had created. Is this because anything said in a foreign accent seems to carry more intellectual weight than a Kentucky accent? What is it called when you throw toilet paper at a house? Teeping. Why would you throw toilet paper onto a house? We don't do that in France. Vandalism. Teepee something? 
TPing. <laughs> to reiterate, everyone I met there was extremely lovely and probably very bright. Thanks, Kentucky. So they found these dolphins. They're about, I think, about a third the size of bottlenose dolphins <laughs> that we have today. Um, they're toothless, they're whiskered, and cute mini dolphins that basically were around 30 million years ago. Now, now, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. With only a fossilized cranium, stop right there for a moment, cranium. What's, what's that? Just the top part of the head. Oh, the top part of the head. Okay, so with only the top part of the head. While the article from phys.org does use the word cranium, and Ken is right, the cranium normally refers to the rontal, periental, occipital, temporal, sphenoid, and ethmoid bones. However, this is a general audience popular science article based on a research paper. The reporter chose that word. The research paper they report on is not so imprecise as to use a casual term like cranium. Here are the bones that were found. Two skulls, not the one that Ken suggests. Quite a bit more than just the cap that protects the brain. Note that the find includes the maxilla and premaxilla bones, which from the side view are typically found here. These are the bones that would contain or interface with the teeth if the animal had any. There was no need to guess or extrapolate from unrelated bones, as Ken will suggest. The maxilla and premaxilla bones for Intermorostrum xenops did not have or support teeth. Direct observation. As people get older, they sometimes lose their teeth. <laughs> you should they're know. Not, they're not evolving. <laughs> But when humans lose their teeth, the holes in the jaw where the teeth once were remain. There's evidence they once had teeth. This is just painful to watch. They can talk about a toothless dolphin from a piece of cranium. Yeah. They found the majority of two skulls. It blows me away when I and see that, stuff like this. That's why people need to read carefully. I agree. People need to read carefully. And maybe even click on the links to the primary source instead of relying on someone else's interpretation. Say, an internet creation news show. Looking forward to that day when you follow your own advice. My dog loves me. No, he's looking for food. Okay. No, dog, My, no, you need to be He's going to rile everybody. There's people in the audience getting upset. <laughs> Stop talking about the audience. Though it was true, this was the brief moment when Ken started to lose them, with the otherwise reserved crowd beginning to shift seat positions in protest. Through most of the presentation, the audience did a lot of head nodding in agreement and muttering things like yes and amen, as you might expect. For those that are here in the live audience, we'll let them meet us afterwards. For the rest of you, you can't meet us afterwards because you're not here. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. They don't do this every episode of Answers News, but they're doing it on Apologia Day. We need to finish. You've been talking too much. <laughs> yeah, all right. anyway, all right. We're going to sign off for today, and we'll see you back on Thursday. God bless you. Thank you, everyone. Our answers from Genesis Trio here will be out in the lobby. You can ask them questions and talk to them. And right now, you can gather all your possessions and exit to your lab. Thank you. Yeah, three of us will be out here if you want to come say hi or sometimes people want to get a photograph and with that answers news was over but my mission to meet the trio lie ahead or rather to the left in the smaller of two creation museum gift shops most of the audience got into the meet and greet line each getting a snapshot and maybe one or two words in with the aig panel i held back to close to the end of the line so as not to ruin the fun for the rest of the guests in case things went badly it was in that line that Julie, my reluctant partner in crime, let me know that the uniform security team had taken extra note of me during the show and had been moving in closer as I did to Ken. Okay, so maybe not the time to confront him, but maybe I could ask the one question that I had no idea how they would answer. Now this is true. Ken Ham's answer book altered the course of my life. Until I read his books... I was a young earth creationist and biblical inerrantist who was seeking scientific affirmation for my beliefs. But Ken's books were so disingenuous and void of actual answers that it shook me to my core and caused me to seek answers in secular science. Well, I know they have the 
well, people who are not well, doing food specifically. Oh, okay. And there are, I see them, so, yeah. So, what would you expect to have any? Yeah. They don't have a light. Okay. They're probably sitting in the Yes, Ken Ham laughed and said, yeah, I've seen that one. George Purdom and Ken Ham have seen Ham and Egg News. Are you kidding me? So Georgia thinks I need to get a life, and Ken Ham says I'm in my parents' basement waiting for my next check. By the way, if anyone is sending checks to my parents' house, I'm not getting them. Like we've said a thousand times before, I honestly can't tell if Georgia has put the pieces together and knows exactly what she's talking about she may well realize that she's insulting me to my face. I can't tell. Ken gave me a thumbs up, and Bodhi told me God bless as I stepped away. So they don't know. But Georgia? She might have known. Cold-blooded. If you put it together, good on ya. With the footage I wanted and the confirmation I'd sought, Julie and I beelined to our pre-planned escape route and exited the museum quickly before the security guards decided to make other plans for us. Now, why should I care if Ken and Georgia and Bodhi watch this show? I mean, I'm never going to change their mind. This is their livelihood, so even if they agreed with me, they couldn't admit it. But maybe, just maybe, it'll drive them to be better. To have better arguments. And maybe, just maybe, I secretly want Ken to win me back. But to do that, he's going to need something better. Besides, all of us behave better when we know we're being watched. Like the security guards watching me, that crater in the sky watching the audience, or Apologia watching Ken Ham. Keep tuning in, Ken. And thanks for the hospitality. I'd like to extend a special thanks to my first Patreon patrons, which officially kicks off this month. If you'd like to help support this channel, and maybe even become a cartoon, check out patreon.com slash apologia. But much more importantly, I can't wait to hear your thoughts and comments about my Creation Museum Answers News adventures. If you enjoyed the video, why not tap on the subscribe button so that you're notified when new science or ham and egg episodes are published. Thank you so much for watching. Until next time, later.